Hey everyone, and welcome to a new edition of our podcast. But first, let's talk about our product feature of the week. Steven, what do you have for us? We have started, um, to my knowledge, the very first ever sponsorship pageant, and we're calling it Miss Pageant Planet. And basically, what it does is it gives girls the opportunity to raise sponsorship money by the amount of votes that they receive. So is this done all on our website, through social media? Like, where are these people voting? Well, yeah, so we've created a pageant using our portal on the directory. So if you go to our um, directory under the, the category of pageants and you type in pa uh, Miss Pageant Planet, you'll see it there. And anyone can apply. It's 100% free. And what will happen is when the pageant goes live on September the 1st, you can start accumulating votes. And based on how many votes you receive, you can win things like free shoes, entry fees, etc. So if you get 100 votes um, during this contest, and the contest will last for about 14 days, you get 100 votes, you get your choice between um, two different types of nude shoes. Uh, the Cali and oh, I don't remember the other one. What's your favorite one? Like, oh, I like the Queenie. The Queenie, yeah, it's the Cali and the Queenie. So you get your choice between one of those. They're shipped to you for free. Uh, it's paid for. If you get top ten, so out of most girls, like I think right now there's about forty some girls that's competing. Um, so if you get top ten out of that, then you um, get the shoes and you get um, twenty five percent of your votes in cash top five, or that's top 10, top five, you get 50% of your votes in cash, and winner, you get a bunch of other things like a photo shoot with Chris at Goodwin, 75% of your votes in cash, shoes, cover of our digital magazine, all that stuff. That is amazing. So it's pretty much a way for girls to do the, like promote using their social media to get votes? Yeah, they can leverage their own social media to drive traffic, and then the more people vote for them, um, the more money that they can raise. So it's really an effortless, well, it's not effortless because it does take effort, but it's like, it's so awkward just to ask people for money and mm -hmm. spo sponsorships, you know? So this is a way where if you can ask people for votes, it's a lot easier of an ask than asking people for actually like face to face dollar bills, all that. So, um, I, I think it's a really creative idea to basically help raise girls to raise money for their pageant. So where can they learn more? Where can they sign up? The best way to do it is if you look in the description of this particular podcast, I, I, we will provide a link that goes directly to the, the um, <laughs> I was going to say the podcast, to the pageant. So you can do that. Um, however, if you're on your mobile device and you know you just don't feel like doing that, you can just go under the pageant directory, search Miss Pageant Planet, and then click on the, the pageant there. And yeah, you just it has all the instructions of how to sign up. It's a really easy process, and it just entails you creating a, a profile on Pageant Planet and saying that you're competing in Miss Pageant Planet. Just as easy as that. All right, I'm excited to see who will be Miss September for Miss Pageant Planet. So Me thanks, too. Steven. Thanks, Jesse. Welcome to the Pageant Planet Podcast, where we help you succeed in pageantry. Now, here's your host, Stephen Roddy. Welcome, everyone, to another episode. Today, Jesse and myself, we're going to discuss the five different styles of sponsorship. Jesse, set the stage for us. 
Hey, Steven. So we know that pageantry is a subjective sport. There's very little that you can actually be in control of, or there's very little that's for sure. But the one thing that is for sure is that even if you are thrifty or budget conscious, it ain't cheap to be in pageantry. So everything from transportation to wardrobe to little details like spray tan, nails, all of these expenses add up. Yeah, it's, it, it really is crazy. And it's just like any kind of ex exclusive sport that's out there. Like, mm -hmm. it, like when you get into skiing, golfing, etc. I mean, there's a price tag associated with with every parent knows. Like when they enter the daughter in the pageantry, they're like, oh, I didn't realize it was like these hidden kind of expenses. Oh, absolutely. And I think you and I were talking about sponsorship a few days ago and you made a great correlation about like if you're competing in basketball or in soccer, your talent is the spotlight and you buy one, maybe two wardrobes for the year and then that's done and your talent carries you the rest of the way. So with pageantry, you are always having to evolve your appearance and you have to invest in that great wardrobe and do all those, um, go the extra mile in those little appearance aspects that you don't have in any other sport. Yeah, one of the things that I find fascinating about this industry is the more I evolve as a leader and the longer I'm involved in the industry, I realize more fringe benefits. And one of those is what pageantry teaches you to do is to rely on the expertise of other people. And I know that the bigger pageant planet gets, um, I have to do the same thing. Like I'm hiring consultants to say, teach me how to do this aspect of my business because I'm not succeeding in it and I need help. And that's what pageantry teaches you to do by reaching out to retailers to say, give me your opinion on dresses, reaching out to coaches and critique my interview, reaching out to your, uh, if you're in the Miss America system on the local chapter, state track, you're like, help me succeed on the national level or on the state level. So, um, uh, relying on the knowledge base of other people is vital to experience success um, in this life. And pageantry really does teach you how to do that, along with a lot of other aspects that we've talked about in previous episodes. Yeah, and you know, some people are blessed with a supportive family, or they themselves are killer business people, and they have the means to be self-funded. And I mean, for those people, like, know that I applaud you and I am also super jealous, but jealous in a good way because <laughs> yeah. I'm so happy for you that you have that ability. That is awesome and we are all jealous, but again, we're still happy for you. Yeah, and you and I, Jesse, we both started off in very similar fashions. We didn't have you know, two nickels to rub together or a window to throw it out of. So we had to be thrifty. We had to learn how to um, basically raise capital to do what it is that we wanted to do. And for me, it's always been business for you. It was pageantry. Um, and then like, um, you know, your other interests, etc. So it's like, we have had that. And that's why this episode is really near and dear to my heart. Yeah. And for, for those of us that do not fall into that bucket of being able to be self-funded, or maybe you do, but you want to mitigate your own financial risk, which I totally get sponsorship is a godsend. So like we also recognize that sponsorship is also painstakingly difficult and probably on the flip side of that, even still mentally draining. And today we want to talk about some of the different options. And like, if I'm being totally honest, I think GoFundMe websites have run their course. 
So it's time to get creative and savvy for your approach and how do you how do you fund this pageant addiction? Well, and it has run its course because the GoFundMe pages have shifted and it's really been enhanced by people that's launching products and they say, if you give me X dollars, you'll have ownership in it or I'll send you a widget for free. So maybe initially because it was a novelty, like pageant girls kind of got something out of it. But yeah, it, because it's been around, everybody's like, ah, I know that. It's not as exciting anymore. And we have noticed just across the board, it's just not getting the results as it once did. For sure. And you know, if I'm going to be devil's advocate and give a harsh reality to, if you post a GoFundMe link about your wanting to compete in a pageant, it's really awesome if your friends and family want to contribute. But can you imagine someone else saying, hey, I want to compete in this tournament. It's going to cost 250 bucks. Would you donate to it? And granted, like we know on the inside that pageantry is more than just self-serving and you're giving back to your community and there's so much more to it. That's like you will get an ROI in an intangible way, probably if you invest in someone's pageant journey. But to the outside world, they're looking at this like, well, if you can't afford your hobby, why should I be tasked to support it? So, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's good. So it's super important that like the different types of sponsorship styles that we'll talk about today will also break down like what types of personalities work best for each and how you can provide more return, like we just said, ROI to the people that do sponsor you. Okay. And, you know, as always for these, right, we funded our Instagram followers about like what some of their best strategies were. We, we plucked some of those and we answered our opinion, correct? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, sponsorship is one of those things where you just have to kind of, if something catches fire, you might get really lucky. But otherwise, there are only so many tried and true methods. So we're going to talk through those and make sure that you see them all the way through. Okay, great. So, well, give us the first one. What's the first kind of different styles of sponsorship outside of doing the traditional knocking on businesses' door and say, like, hey, can I have 20 bucks? Yep. So what we'll do is we'll talk about each type. I'll give it a little definition, and then we'll go into our Instagram followers' feedback. So the first type is what I would call the elbow grease style. Um, so the definition of this to me is, like, I remember, like, so um, real quick before I start, I used to think elbow grease, like someone said, put a little elbow grease in it. I thought it was like a brand of a product, which I think is pretty funny. But now <laughs> it's like an expression for those of, the, those of you who may be in the same boat as me back in the day. It's an expression that means going above and beyond. So this is people that see every opportunity to gain some extra cash. Nothing is beneath them because they know that there is a definite payoff. Um, so things like, and also here's a user submission from fashion underscore geek. And they say, I have done many fundraisers back in my teen years. I sold cookies during lunch hour in high school. I've done bottle drives as well as presenting my pageantry work and platform to the rotary for generous donation. So just to summarize that. So this follower baked cookies and then sold them. How entrepreneurial is that in high school? Bottle drives. We all have recyclables that many, well, most of us in states and countries may have a deposit where like for, in New York, it's five cents. So if I bring back an empty bottle, I get five cents for that bottle. So of course, like obviously if you get a hundred bottles, you get, and the worst five at math. <laughs> you get five bucks. You get five bucks. Is that five dollars? Okay. So, yeah. so like, again, just like we just talked about this person, they saw every opportunity. So five bucks is five bucks. Get 500 cans. That's your manicure before your pageant. 
So we have to think that way, like there is a for sure return here. So that's the type of strategy we're looking at with the elbow grease structure. Got it. Okay. So who is this great for? Yeah, this strategy is great for self starters. And so this is a kind of an interesting stat, which makes me a little sad, but it's probably realistic. Only 20% of the population is, is intrinsically motivated, meaning they just get up and they want to do their best. Others need to be motivated by a return or a prize or an incentive, et cetera. So the, this type is for that 20% that can just like get it done once they find their plan and they stick to it. So they don't haphazardly just like collect bottles here and there in their own recycling bin. They've asked everyone they know for theirs. Maybe they put a drop in at their church or their school to collect other people's. They've gone around to their neighbors. I mean, this person has seen it through. And I, like this person also probably graduated debt-free from college because they explored every possible scholarship available and scholarships so often go unclaimed. So the elbow greaser sees the value in unclaimed money. Oh, that's completely my wife. I mean, she is Brazilian and she's like, she's a hundred percent Brazilian. So there's a lot of scholarships she qualified for. And I think like half of them went unattended she was the only one that applied for them mm -hmm. and so she i mean she's a nurse practitioner so she was in school for about six years graduated debt-free and okay. just by doing that yeah so it's crazy which i was like what your debt-free sold married no um, but <laughs> I, I was really impressed by that for her so shout out to renata okay no. why does this work actually why does the strategy work yeah it works because you're dedicating your time to something that is quantifiable and you can see measure up. So let's say for example, and we'll get to these other types of sponsorships. So I, I don't mean to hop ahead here, but I can. Um, so the way that works is um, if I say, okay, I'm going to collect a hundred bottles, like my $5, you could knock on the door of five places and get no donations. So this person has said, okay, I can see an actual value associated with my time. And that's how you measure it. So that's why it works because it's tangible. You know what you're getting back and that's it. Well, and the cool thing about this is that you're not relying on anyone else for an outcome. Right. You know, like a lot of times when you come out with your handout or you go to businesses, it, it is humbling to have to ask someone for a sale or for a sponsorship or for a donation, et cetera. So, the thing I like about that, if, if that makes you feel awkward, you can just go out and you can do something on your own. Yeah. Or you say, like, go to that doctor's office and say, hey, would you mind collect if I took your cans and bottles? It's it, like if someone says no to giving you a financial donation, this is a great backup. That mm -hmm. way you get something from them. Okay. like that. All right. Now, why would this not work? Yes, yeah, so this might not work because it is, it could be a huge time investment for not a massive financial reward. So if you, like you just said, if you have five different groups collecting bottles for you, are you spending more time going to each of those places to pick those up, to take them to, um, to deposit them, to get your five bucks back or whatever it is? It's not always like a huge reward. So it can be discouraging. Um, you have to be able to see and maximize opportunity. Yeah. And, you know, depending on what state you live, if, I mean, I know we have a ton of like, I mean, people from like Iceland, South Africa, Australia, Canada, whatever that listen, UK that listen to our um, episodes. Um, 
but depending on you uh, here in the United States, depending on your state rules, like I know I live in Massachusetts, you're not allowed to bake something from your home and then sell it to the general public. So that could also work against you there. But like cookies could be substituted for anything. It could be a scarf, you know, or mittens or shirts or whatever, right? Um, but okay, um, I like it. Anything else you'd like to add before we move on to the next um, different sponsorship? idea? No, I think we're good. Okay. Uh, okay. So give us the next um, unique sponsorship idea. Yep. So the next, this is actually the least unique of all of them. This is actually what I would call the traditional methods of sponsorship. So it's the old drop by sales pitch, stopping by businesses or offices that you frequent or you're a customer of, and you present your request for support. And our user submission came from our very own Karina Ruiz. And it says, it can be very discouraging having a dream you can't afford. So I take a step back and look at the big picture. First, I look at ways to bargain and get the best deals for my gown, shoes, outfits, et cetera. Then I go to my local, um, local small, owned, small, small owned businesses and ask for their support. Bringing a letter in person and getting a chance to talk to the manager or owner really helps. Okay, so who is this great for? This is awesome for two different types of people. The first of which is those um, that live in small communities and they happen to know everyone. So you already have a warm introduction or you've done business with them or they've known you since you um, were missing your two front teeth. So it's just an easy ask. They love you, they care for you, it's tight knit, they wanna support you. The other type of person this is great for are those that just have a knack for selling, like the people that can sell ice in a snowstorm, that's for you. Yeah, and so I'm from a very small city, and the great thing, like a lot of people see that as a handicap, I actually saw it as a, an asset because I could walk directly in to my mayor's office and say, hey, Mike, do you know of anyone who, and fill in the blank, right? And he's like, oh, yeah, actually I do. I mean, I was schooled the sun, population 7,000 people. It wasn't a big deal. And, you know, mayors know mayors of other cities. Those cities are not too far away. So it doesn't take too long before your network really expands. And that's the benefit of the small town is because you can have those type of relationships. So I really do like this strategy. And I really do like, okay, rather than, cause, I mean, I've had to live my life through this strategy right here, starting yep. a business. I mean, I started pageant planet with less than $20. Mm -hmm. It was $7 for a domain name thepageantplanet.com at the time because I found a coupon by Googling it for GoDaddy and it was $10 a month for hosting. So it was like 18 bucks. And then I spent a month designing my first website because I didn't have money to hire anybody to do right. it. So there are ways and to do really creative. I mean, maybe if it is a small um, business, boutique, et cetera, you go in and say, hey, can I borrow the dress for my pageant? And I'll bring it back, like in good shape, I promise. And if it's any kind of like distress or whatever, I will pay you for it. You know, so that way, you know, both people are totally assured. So maybe that, that's a strategy there where you can keep your costs way down. So instead of having to raise a thousand dollars, you basically get a free dress. Yeah, that's a great suggestion. And for these people that are doing the traditional method, the interpersonal skills this requires is probably the highest of any of our strategies for sponsorship because you have to read people target their emotions for why they'd want to donate for your support because it's not enough to just say i'm competing in a pageant i want your help it's more i'm being in a pageant i'm trying to 
draw more women to be an empower to be empowered in our community. I really need your help to look my best so that I can look polished and professional and get more speaking engagements. It's like, so you have to be able to sell why they want to help you. And the other piece, if you are from a small town or a small community and you're asking around, it can be awkward if someone says no, or if you end up having to follow up with them several times. So you have to be intuitive enough and able to adapt conversation. So those interpersonal skills are so important because you don't want them to feel uncomfortable. You don't want it to strain your personal long-term relationship with this person or this business yeah and i live by the philosophy when i'm selling that everyone you will have ever met we're all tuned into the same radio station and that's w-i-i-f-m it's what's in it for me mm -hmm. and whenever you can find out what's in it for the other person or what they are looking to get more of be it exposure clients etc then you can tailor your quote air quotes like sales pitch to mm -hmm. meet their needs. And that is universal. I don't care where you live, what kind of ethnicity that you're speaking to, whatever. It's a universal thing because we all have needs and we all have something that we would like more of. And as soon as you find out what that person wants more of, you'll be able to sell them appropriately. Exactly. And it works because it can be really difficult for someone to say no to you when you're face-to-face -face selling yourself. They may not provide, like we said, like your full ask in return, but they may offer at least something, which is, at any case, better than nothing. So if you start by the strategy of like working with people you already know or have supported their businesses in the past, it's a much easier ask. And that is the biggest strength, is you have that relationship to springboard the conversation and it's face-to-face, -face, it's more interpersonal. And it does take courage on the part of the asker too, to ask that face-to-face -face because it can be uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. um, however, I've discovered that even if they do say no to you, a lot of times they refer you to someone else that can help you maybe another way or in place of them. And that's equally as beneficial. Yes. And if that happens, when you reach out to the person they referred you, definitely make sure to say so-and-so referred me to talk to you because they are so much more likely to answer that email, answer that phone call, take that meeting. Now, why would this not work? So it's just what we talked about. You have to remember in the strategy that it's not all about you, but it's also about their business and what you can provide to them. So if you're writing a letter or you're doing a sales pitch, make sure it talks about the impact you've either already had or plan to have for your community and potentially their business and not just, hey, I want to compete in this pageant. Yeah. And can we just... Can I say something about the letters real quick before yes. we move on to the next point? Yes, please. Yeah, they're not effective. I mean, like the amount of time and money and energy that you take constructing a well-written letter, it just goes into the trash. And that's the harsh reality. So unless you pick up the phone or if you have someone, like texting is the new letter, right? So um, you want to, first, you want to talk to them face-to-face. It's -face, number one. Second, you want to call them. And then third, you want to text them. Letters, I would not even waste your time unless it's a thank you note. Thank you notes go so far. You know, so if you meet with them face to face and even if they say no, you follow up with a thank you. Hey, appreciate you taking my time. That can sometimes not be enough to turn someone around. You don't send the thank you letter for that. You send it to keep their relationship fresh. But just know, like, that like a thank you note is really the only, I mean, letter I would recommend sending. 
Oh, for sure. And I think you have to preface it too. It's not just, or if you have a proposal that says, okay, here's my different levels or whatever. And you say, so if you're at say a doctor's appointment, your childhood doctor, well, maybe not your child, because if you're an adult, you're not going to your, your pediatrics office anymore. But anyway, you get my point. Yeah. So you're at the doctor's office, you finish your um, appointment and you say, you know, I'm competing for this pageant. Here's what I'm doing. Would it be okay with you if I left this note with you for your consideration? And they're not going to say no in that moment. They're going to take that from you. So don't just drop it off. Have it be part of a face-to-face -face interaction or as a follow-up. Do not let the letter start the conversation. That's a, that's a really good preference. Cool. All right. So we've covered two so far. What's the next one? So this is the professional and this is my favorite type of person because they compile all the necessary data and present it to potential sponsors like a business proposal. So this, yes, yeah, so this sub submission came from Madeline Renee Burgess, VIP girl, also Ms. USA ambassador. Nice. Congratulations, Madeline. We love her. Um, okay. So she said, I keep my costs down by making a budget and using it with potential sponsors. I take it to potential sponsors and instead of just asking for money, I show them what I need all outlined with appropriate costs. More often than not, a sponsor will pay for an item in my budget or provide the service needed at a full or at a discount. It's great. You know, car, car dealerships, or I'm sorry, car manufacturers have actually started doing this as a promotion. So for, um, for 16 year olds birthdays, you can register for the type of car you want and your friends or family members or whatever can buy the, the gas pedal or buy the, you know, the brake pads or whatever. So in it, like everything is associated in a car with a particular cost. Love that. Yeah. So it's a way for manufacturers to sell more cars, obviously around 16th birthday. So, I mean, this is a very, um, gosh, pragmatic, um, example of how to raise money. Okay. So who, who is it great for? This is great for people that have type A personalities because they're very organized or contestants who are already in the workforce and are used to these types of conversations and mentality or a contestant that has approached her title holder plan with a cohesive outline. Hmm. Okay. And why does this even work? This works so well um, because you can communicate with the business on a one-on-one -on -one and business one-on-one -on -one in a way that they are used to negotiating and making business decisions on a regular basis. So they're, you're meeting them where they are more often than not. This is a conversation they're used to having. And they will look at you as an equal versus someone they are just trying to help out. And the more specific you can be about what the plan is to use their investment for, the better. And to, um, to Amber's point, um, if you map this out, like even if they can't fill the entire contribution, they may be able to at least help towards it. So what, one of the things I did is after preparing for Miss International, I knew I had to stay in the hotel for seven nights. So I had total hotel cost X dollars, and then I had it broken down. So businesses could sponsor one night in the hotel if they couldn't do the whole thing. So it was a heck of a lot easier to do that. And then on my Facebook page while I was gone, I said, here I am on Monday. Thanks so much to X sponsor for um, being my sponsor for the day. So it was a lot easier for them to break down and say, okay, I see this big cost. I really am not comfortable with that level, but I can do this. And that is huge. So mm -hmm. I, I, I'm not able to say I've had so many businesses tell me this. However, I have had enough businesses to tell me this to realize that it's the truth. 
that businesses are jaded by pageant girls that they give that pageant girl something and as soon as they get it they're like okay thanks bye and they don't hear anything else from them Mm -hmm. and the detriment to this okay if you're like an olivia copal and you only compete three pageants in your life you can probably do that and get away with it yeah if you're competing in multiple pageants if you don't win your first time around you need to go back to those sponsors. And if you don't treat them right, if you don't give them appropriate shout outs, if they don't see some kind of return on their dollar, whether that return on investment is a feed to their ego, a shout out for their business, etc., they're not going to give you money next time around. And, you know, going back to our previous example, if you live in a small town, if you burn like one bridge, that burns like, you know, a dozen bridges because mm-hmm. of the ripple effect. So be super generous to your sponsors. And um, the other thing I like about what Madeline's doing is that if she does write everything out and like, okay, here's the cost and basically here's what you get for it, there is, it's a clear expectation of, okay, if you give me 50 bucks, this is what you're going to get and this is what I'm going to get. Mm -hmm. And so there was no room for miscommunication. Uh, versus like, if you're like, please just give me 50 bucks and I give you 50 bucks. And then somehow that business owner feels like they're going to get, you know, two or three social media shout outs and your mind, you're like, no, I just need 50 bucks, right? There's a, there's a miscommunication there. So the business owner is going to be jaded and you don't have any recourse to go back to the next year. So it's really important to clearly outline what they get, what you need and what they get in return. Mm-hmm. And this doesn't work if you're unorganized and you're not a great natural presenter. Um, that's something that would work against you for this particular type of sponsorship ask. So if you appear nervous or scattered during the conversation, it will hurt your chances of achieving success with this method. Because again, your goal with this method, the professional method, is to appear as though you are a business equal. You're providing them a service and in turn, they're giving you an investment. So Either if you're naturally nervous about this, practice the presentation, the conversation, role play with everyone you know until you're confident enough to be to present yourself like a boss. <laughs> like a boss, like a girl. Hashtag girl boss. Yes. Okay. What is the fourth strategy? So this is like we're going to not spend a ton of time on this because I call it the hybrid. So it's a cross between the traditional and the professional. So the traditional, let's remind ourselves using our warm contacts, um, having individual conversations, likely bringing a letter as reinforcement, et cetera. And the professional, someone who presents their plan to a business owner has value added, ROI likely. And the reason I wanted to talk about this hybrid just a little bit, again, not a ton of time spent on it, is because we got a great note from the current Miss United States, Andromeda Peters. And that's really why I wanted to share this hybrid method because she has it down to a science. Okay. And so what did Andromeda say? So she said, don't be afraid to receive a no. I thought of what each of my needs were for Miss United States from fitness, dental, spray tanning, nails, etc., And I made a list of my favorite local companies who provide these services. 
I reached out to each and every one of them. So that's the traditional method. And here's the professional method that she used. I presented what I need and how the companies can benefit from hooking me up. I fearlessly put myself out there. And in the end, I was Miss United States ready and took home the crown with the support of so many sponsors. I got some folks who didn't respond. Some said no, but I stayed consistent and got the yeses that I needed right on time. Love that. And so much of life is just asking for what you want. Mm -hmm. And then if you don't get it, okay, next, go to the next person. Like, don't take it personal. Um, you know, that's the, the challenge that so many of us have is that when someone says no, we take it so personal that it's hard for us to move on. Yeah. And really, they're not saying no to you. They're just saying no for whatever reason that they're saying no. They said yep. no because they said no. So love that, Andromeda. Thank you for sharing. That's great. Yes, and I want to say one quick thing about that. Mm -hmm. It's only awkward or uncomfortable if you make it awkward or uncomfortable. So if you show that business who's given you a no, maybe just not the right time for them, it might not be anything personal like we just said. If you don't make them feel awkward about it, they won't feel awkward. So here's a great example. Make a list of everyone that gives you a no. And then for Christmas, send them a Christmas card. And that way, like we've talked about this all the time, Stephen, is depositing into that relationship bank. So even though they said no, send them a Christmas card. Let them know, no hard feelings. Here I am, still being active. I'm on your radar. And then maybe when you go next year, they'll be like, oh, yeah, she followed up. It was totally fine. Here we are again. And they might then feel more comfortable or they might be more prepared at that time to invest. But at the very least, you haven't made them feel like put out by not sponsoring you. Yeah. There, there's a saying in sales that says the fortune is in the follow-up. And I like, so I don't consider myself an aggressive person by any means. I am persistent though. And so you tell me no, no worries. I just put you like back my calendar for like six months, nine months, a year, like depending on like what the call was. And I just continue to follow up. Now that follow-up isn't always just asking them for a sale again. It's just to check in and see how they're doing. Hey, you ran across my mind. How you doing? Why they ran across my mind? Because they're on my to-do list to follow up with them in six months. Right? <laughs> That's why they ran across my mind. Hey, just want to check to see how business is going. Right? They know why I'm following up. Like they know, like, okay, I'm wanting their advertising or whatever, right? But I'm not <laughs> mentioning it, but it, it because that was our last conversation. So just things like that will go a long way. Like you don't have to mention why you're following up every time. They know why you're following up and it's okay. But like by the fact that you don't mention it, it makes you so much different than every other person that's out for the sale. Exactly. You don't want the only reason that you're reaching out to these people be asking for to be asking for something. Yeah, that's great. Okay. Like that. All right. Now what's the fifth one? So the fifth one that we're going to talk about is what I call the new school method. Take us for... to school, Jesse. What's up? I said, take us to school, Jesse. Oh, you scared me. I was like, <laughs> stop I was like what's going on? Okay, so take us to school. Okay. The, the bad part of impromptu. Okay. <laughs> no. Um, well, you said it in like such like a serious tone that like usually like so for those of for those of our listeners. Like usually what happens if, if I cut out or Steven cuts out, we just kind of like drop character a little bit and like, okay, Steven, you cut out. And that's the voice I heard. So I was like, oh, <laughs> but here we are. Anyway, 
new school like st strategy. So here's the, the, my definition of it. So this tactic acknowledges changing technologies and is willing to try something new to gain sponsorship. So there are so many profiles on social media that are littered with commercial posts or sponsored posts, some more obvious than others. And each one of those is likely generating income for that poster. So for example, think about all of the reality TV shows you watch. So if you're a Bachelor fan, my goodness, if you follow any Bachelorette, Bachelor contestants on social media, they are likely plugging something and they probably make a reasonable amount of money on each of those posts. So that's why they do it. Businesses are realizing that there is a shift in advertising and it's direct to consumer through influencers. Um, so this is really like the nuts and bolts of the new school strategy is presenting yourself as an influencer. Yeah, I, I really like that. So who, who is this great for? What does it take to be an influencer? So this is great for those who are very active on social media and are looked at as influencers in their sphere. So for example, even if it's not on social media, if you have a big family or if you're well known in your community, you're an, a live influencer, right? So if you go to, let's say the supermarket and someone says, oh my gosh, your teeth look so white. What toothpaste do you use? People are going to listen to you. So it doesn't always have to be social media, so keep that in mind. It's just, are you an influencer for those in your life? So if you're looking for an opportunity to get this type of work outside, um, most companies are looking for a minimum following of about 1,500 people. So to even qualify for a paid post, likely that's the minimum threshold that you need to be at. And for our pageant contestants, usually that is like not a problem at all, but if that's a goal of yours, there are plenty of podcasts or resources you can look up online for how to build your Instagram follower following. And Stephen, maybe that's the topic for us to consider moving forward is how to build that following. Um, but yeah, so 1500 people, followers, that's your threshold. Or if you're just great at giving interpersonal in the moment recommendations. Yeah. And with my background in marketing, there's there's pretty much four ways that you can make money as an influencer. I mean, the, the first is the one that you mentioned with The Bachelor. is like you go direct to a company and you either become your own advertising agent where you're like, hey, a social media shout out is X amount of dollars on my post. Do you want to buy it? Or if you have a large enough following, you can get an agency that helps you do that. Um, you know, the, the second is, uh, we've done toothpaste posts uh, through uh, Pageant Planet and I don't know if, you know, it, it, if you as a listener have seen it or not, I know that I did it and I followed the strategy. I made like $2,000 on the post. Um, Teresa Scanlon made over, who was like Miss America, I don't remember what year she was, but she made like over a thousand dollars. And then there's like so many other pageant girls that made hundreds of dollars just off of a few posts. And if you have questions about that, you can email us support at thepageantplanet.com. Um, we also started, uh, which we mentioned in the promo, like Miss Pageant Planet, where it costs nothing to like sign up and you can add yourself as a contestant and you get votes, votes equate to dollars. So, you know, if you end up winning Miss Pageant Planet, meaning that you get the most amount of votes, um, you get 75% of your votes in dollar value. So if you accumulate a thousand votes, you'd raise $750 for your pageant. Plus you get like free photo shoots and a bunch of other prize packages. Um, if you just go um, actually follow the link in this description and they'll take you right there. But even if you just get a hundred votes, you get like a free pair of shoes. I mean, so I mean, shoes alone, I mean, what are they like 70 bucks? Yeah, know? exactly. So, 
I mean, mm-hmm. that would help you offset the cost of, of your pageant right there. So, it, and again, it's a free way. We're trying to just creatively help you raise money for your pageant. And, and that's another way that, that you can do it. And the fourth and the last is there's something that's called affiliate marketing. And basically there's, um, there's different platforms out there that, um, like for example, Macy's will give you an affiliate link. And basically what this is, is a customized link that if someone clicks on that and then buys something from Macy's, then you get like 10%. Like I know Amazon has affiliate link. So if you just type in affiliate link, there's a bunch of different organizations that pop up. The one that I'm thinking of is um, C, like C as in cat, J as in Johnson. So CJ.com stands for Commission Junction. And um, you can sign it up. It's a free profile. There's like a thousand businesses on there. Um, If you use any of the makeups or whatever, you can do that. And we also have um, through Pageant Planet, like our own brand ambassador program. It's like an affiliate. So you, you can, you know, again, email support at the Pageant Planet. We'll send you to the the right um, you know, category within our company to help you get set up with that. But there's a lot of different ways out there to you know do what you said, Jesse, like the new school method of raising money. Yeah, there are so many different ways. And full disclosure, the new school method is what inspired us to do this whole topic. I mean, how many times... Can we talk about sponsorship strategies like the traditional methods? Like we talk about them all the time. And I'm sure maybe we gave you a couple of new tips on around those. You've probably heard them, heard the, at least the general thought before. So this new school way is really for you to think outside the box. And traditional sponsorship is great. Don't get me wrong, because it can yield a great response if you're asking the right people in the right way, in the right strategy. But this is a way for you to take it into your own hands and make money. So you're not really even asking for sponsorship. You're making money that's going towards your pageant. So it's all about finding those opportunities. I mean, Stephen, there are even sites like Ebates, which I know you know the back history of Ebates. Ebates is like a very similar means of affiliate links. If you're going to be shopping online, Ebates provides you a kickback for going through them. Um, your friends and family can be referred. So there are there's money in the world to be made. You just have to know where to look for it. Yeah. So why why would this work? Why would this strategy work? So this strategy works just because, um, well, it's, I'll say it's great for people. Oh, so we talk about that. And then it, it wouldn't work if you're not naturally active on social media or tech savvy. Um, so because of that, like this can fall flat. So you have to have an audience that's willing to hear and support what you are saying. So to answer your question, it will work because, because again, there's money to be had in this realm. Businesses are looking for new ways to market themselves and their products. You can go to these smaller businesses who might not have even chosen this avenue yet and say, I'll be happy to be your test. And this is what, this is what it costs other companies. I would be able to do it for this rate per post. Or if you're looking for other ways like Miss Pageant Planet, it's a way for people to rally around you without a significant investment. Um, so mitigating that risk. So there's all sorts of reasons why this will work. Yeah, and if people are kind of confused about the whole affiliate marketing, because that's, yeah, not everybody knows that, especially the smaller businesses. You just say, hey, will you give me a coupon code? And everybody who uses my coupon code, will you give me a certain percentage? So that way you can join that partnership with them. And to say this, I mean, pageant planning included, 
We get so many inquiries, and Jesse, I know that you get a lot, obviously, through the coaching and questions, etc. If you're not professional in how you email a company, because like we are real people on the other end, and I see, I mean, I, I'm not able to say maybe a lot of the emails now, um, just because there's so many. My staff sees them, though, and based on how you send the email is based on how serious we take that inquiry. Because if you have poor English, poor grammar, when you send the email, it's like, ah, this person isn't really serious. And because you're dealing with volume, you don't even really take the time to like respond appropriately, right? Or sometimes, I have even like no idea like what you're even asking. So it's like, even though I want to respond, I'm like, I, I just don't even know what to do with that, right? So I just go on to the next email. So in yeah. we're just obviously we're one company in the sea of millions of companies. However, like when you're reaching out to people, take the time to be professional. Professionalism is never out of style. And you know, the thing is, so few people do take the time to be professional and to be that professional voice that it causes you to stick out like a sore thumb in the best of ways. So, mm -hmm. you know, always, and I know you have some closing remarks, Jesse, but like always truly be professional. I totally agree. And I want to say one more thing on what you just said is be as specific as possible. Like you said, we get all these emails, professionalism definitely like brings you to the top of the list. But if you were to call a company and this is an example, and you were just, so emailing pageant planner, I'm looking for sponsorship. Instead of saying, I'm looking for sponsorship, again, like you said, like, what do I do with that? But what if instead you called this company or emailed this company, you said, I noticed that this service is $25, or let's say I noticed the box membership is $29 a month and it includes free coaching. I'm preparing for my pageant. Would you consider sponsoring me for a month? In exchange, I will do two social media posts for you. Oh my gosh, I'm going to stop. I'm going to read that. I'm going to pass it along to my supervisor if I'm not the decision maker. So like break it down in a way that it's crystal clear what you're asking for and what you're giving from the get-go. They shouldn't, there shouldn't have to be four exchanges for you to get there. Yeah. I mean, I, I've, because I've been on the other side where I've had people say, can you give me sponsorship? Yeah, I didn't answer. I'm like, or like, or I need sponsorship. I think it was what the email was. I didn't answer. And then their next email back to me like two days was like ripping me apart because I didn't even respond it. it I, I, I mean, I just don't even know what to do with your first initial email. So it, it's one of those things where, especially companies like ours, we want to help you. We're in the business to help you. That's why we started in the first place. So Jesse, to your point, I mean, be as specific as possible and realize, be as specific as possible and as concise as possible. We don't have time to read a page. Like, so the general rule of thumbs when you're sending an email, make it as long as your pinky. Right. And then be concise inside that pinky like the email. So yep. you do that, you're going to increase your rate of return like exponentially. Yes. And like, I'll even give a, a real life example of something similar is if I get a question from a, a coaching client that says, how do I stand out on stage? It is so, I mean, that is like the world's most open-ended question. But if you say, how do I stand out during on-stage interview? Or how do I stand out during on-stage introductions? I mean, that is something, okay, now I can sink my teeth into this. And it's not this like open-ended craziness. It's easier for someone to respond to your questions with better detail, with better results 
the more specific you are. So okay. you, can say, you can say dye your hair purple. That will make you stand out on stage. And yeah. you'd be answering the question. It's not necessarily the best, but <laughs> I don't know how much our VIP members would like that answer, <laughs> but that's a way to prove a point, Steven. That's for sure. Yeah. It's like, Hey, I need sponsorship money. Here's $1. Got it. I mean, I, I gave you sponsorship money. No, no, no. Yeah. I meant I need 200. Sorry. You didn't, you weren't specific. <laughs> this <laughs> hard turn. <laughs> but oh, like you, oh. I mean, so like when you're not specific, when you're vague, you can get vague results like a non-answer is, is the point. So taking that sometimes taking it to the extreme will show it like, oh, okay. This is the importance of being um, specific. There you go. Cool. All right. In conclusion, <laughs> boy, that was a massive bunny trail there. Okay. In conclusion. Yeah. So, um, long story short, it's important to find the tactic of the ones we talked about today. Maybe it's a hybrid of several of them. Um, that first and foremost is an organic fit for you, your personality, your organizational skills, and your goals. So that's the biggest thing is like figuring out which of these strategies is tailor made for you. And then overall, just have a plan based on a budget that outlines your needs and that this will help you strategize and will help potential sponsors visualize how they can help you in concrete specific ways. Like we just said, that's great. Well, thank you everyone for listening. And if you've received any benefit like from the show or from the ones previous, please consider giving us a five-star review. It really may seem like a small action, but it really does help us keep the show going.